0: Welcome to the J.P. Morgan Weekender. I'm Bruce Kasman, and with me this week is Joe Lupton. Hello, Joe.
1: Hey, Bruce. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing okay. We've got a lot to talk about today. There's a lot going on. It is.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I think in some ways, we should center it around the um, inflation and central bank story. But let me just start by throwing out this idea that you know, in our Kind of assessment of scenarios and probabilities, you know, we're kind of gravitating towards, um, you know, this slow moving story of either, hey, we move slowly and we then break, or we move slowly and we get that, you know, uh, much hope for a soft landing. But there's also the story that we don't dismiss and we have to consider of something going bad, either because Economies break down and slide into recession as we turn into the year or um, inflation pressures build in a way that central banks um, have to re- tighten. And I guess you know the easy thing to say, it's important, but it is easy, is that what seems to be reflected in the data, inflation data, the uh, growth data, and uh, also the central bank communications, is that this sort of negative tail for the near term is being is being taken out. Um, It's hard to see uh, things breaking into recession anytime in the next few months. It's hard to see central banks tightening anymore in the next few months. And obviously that is part of what we're seeing in financial markets. Um, Let me start with that observation, throw it to you. Uh, There's a lot more to to address here, but let me just leave it on the table for you to pick up.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I I, I guess, I mean, just to, to, I don't want to echo what you said. I think you're right. there are two there are two tails that we've been one could potentially worry about, and I think the data kind of takes those out. I, I suppose what I can do is fill in a little bit of what it is we're seeing. like on the on the growth side, if one felt like um, you know that we're breaking into a recession not not immediately, but maybe in the first half of the year or first quarter of the year, I think this week's news from the PMIs were encouraging. Um, I mean, we got the manufacturing PMIs, we had the flash PMIs and we had a pickup in Europe there. We knew that was already coming. But I think what we learned this week is that the uh, both that Asia is doing a bit better. It wasn't just China, but China's a part of it. Korea, Taiwan had better PMIs and global industry, which has been a, a real sore point. Um, I definitely don't want to make it sound like we're out of the woods, but I think it 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 moved up. The output PMI moved up, it's still at a weak level, but I it, it doesn't feel like it's you know, breaking down like you ha- was could have feared in in October. So that that was an encouraging development. A, a small point, but actually important for the world you and I live in is that the investment goods part of that, which sounds very in the weeds, but that actually goes uh, pretty strongly into our capex indicator, and that has been a source of, of of real weakness for us. And so I think global capex is doing a bit better uh, as well there. So that that's encouraging uh, on that front. And then also I think just what we're learning from the U S is more confirmation of what we thought we were going to get. I think we mentioned it last week on this call, which is just the income generation. And, um, you know, it, it really isn't just a story of strong income generation on the profit side, which came in strong. And it, it was a bit weaker than we thought, or I guess not as strong as we thought. That's true. But it's still a pretty strong number. I don't I don't know what the annualized number has got to be like. It was 12,
0: about 14%, 14% or something. Yeah. So
1: that's good. But we, I think the important thing is when you get a big We had looked for
0: 17% or something like that. Yeah,
1: so it was maybe a hair weaker than we thought. I I guess I was thinking closer to 20 was my gut. But uh, anyway, uh, you know, when you combine that with the fact that labor income is doing well, what you have is balance, right? I mean, and that's really what you want to see is like balanced growth and sharing of income between corporates and households. And that suggests to me kind of more resilience going forward. So I, I think when you talk about taking out the tail of some of those concerns on the growth side, which is one of the tails that break into recession, those yeah. are the pieces this week that make us feel better. And then on the other side of maybe things are overheating and inflation is too hot. Of course, you had the, the, the U.S. core PCE number to, this week, which was um, softer than we had expected. Um, and then also in, in Europe as well, I think their uh, numbers were softer than expected. I don't think we're out of the woods on inflation. I I just well think let's it, leave
0: let's leave that a, that a second. We're going to get into that in a moment, but just let's stop with that because I think the the segue into the conversation about what inflation does comes after we just recognize that part of the taking out of the tails, of course, is also the fact that with the better news, uh, we have financial markets on a tear here. Equity markets are up, credit spreads are narrowing, ten-year yields in the U.S. have reversed now fully fifty percent of the uh, rise that they had in the last quarter. Uh, so, some of the thing that might have been of concern here was that financial conditions are tightening and could have created some kind of either stress point or, or perhaps under we were we would be underestimating the pressure that just builds in terms of behavior response to it. You know, we're we're really moving in a quite favorable way yeah. and and, the, and
1: frankly while on the timing point it doesn't mean takes out these tails but you do got to worry a little bit that this starts to um but, you know very strong financial conditions or healthy easing financial conditions could give you the type of growth and therefore the type of inflation pressures uh that that keeps us on this boiling the well you're go- path you're you're, you're bringing
0: everything into one i want to take it in sequence joe so okay. be patient everything here a second all together all at once <laughs> So I mean, we have the 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 data is being more favorable to resilience and to disinflation. You got markets moving here, uh, and I think we need to address the issue on the markets that um, some of what's going on here. The markets are thinking we might get um, central banks easing early. In fact, I think at this point, last I looked a little while ago, we've had over fifty uh, percent of a of an ease priced we have I think we have a full ease priced into in the e- 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 ECB by by the end of the first quarter we've got a decent amount of fed easing as well that it, it does look like pretty high probability in the market right now that both central banks could be easing uh, as early as March so there's there's that that's coming off of this and then the question is both in terms of how we read the inflation news as well as how we read the central bank reaction functions um how much do we want to run with that? How much do we want to uh push back against it?
1: yeah and and I think um in in the past few weeks, we've pushed back pretty hard against that um, I, I every time we get these inflation reports that come in a bit softer and I think this is where you and I are gonna start to maybe do a little more battle uh although i, I look. I think we're both, yeah, we're both feeling like the inflation concerns are less than we have thought. That's just in the data, that's, that's clear. Um, I think we both feel like we're not going to get to the point where they can be easing uh, in the early part uh, of next year. But could they be easing in the second quarter, which I think is something you and I would push, push back against, uh, you know, a few weeks ago? I don't know. With these inflation reports if you're, ultimately this is, are you getting the soft landing type dynamics? Um, and I think, I, I, here's what I was gonna say, Bruce, when you laid out that framework, uh, you know, and taking out the tails, one thing, a corollary of taking out the tails is just reinforcing this other theme we keep pushing of observational equivalence, right? Cause you got this other, these other two views in the world of a of a soft landing and a kind of slow rolling boil the frog scenario those two are going to feel very similar when you take out the tails and i think that's going to keep you know rolling and it's going to be a slow boil as we go through the first half i think but it, this week does it, it's it to- doesn't
0: i mean I, I agree with you there broadly but what i think we would both uh agree on is that one very important distinction between those two is that in the um in both of the scenarios uh you don't get early central bank easing. If you get a central bank easing in the first quarter without a growth scare, we've definitely given a big boost to the soft landing scenario. You're taking out some of the uh pressure, yeah. it almost certainly would be coming with better inflation news. Uh, and you're probably putting, you know, less risk that this vulnerability story in terms of margin compression, private sector health goes through. So this is this is the issue. If you can, if you can get your head around a scenario where central banks actually can ease earlier in the year really do shift those probabilities uh, more decidedly, right. in which the is why Europe. I so, said
1: right now the reason you and I are arguing about this all day long today is is you know I'm kind is of is that what we were
0: now. arguing about all day long?
1: It okay. felt I like it.
0: <laughs> forgot which of the many topics uh, we argue uh, about we would pick to yeah.
1: Spend
0: I mean, our day right, on.
1: I'm, I'm trying to envision a scenario where they could be cutting in in you know, March, maybe, uh, maybe, or what is it, April, uh, late April, Uh, you know, I'm trying to envision that scenario. And if we continue to get inflation reports, like we've seen, and it sounds like I would, at least I was putting a lot of weight on our US team and our inflation team, who is pushing an idea that, hey, wait for it, inflation is going to accelerate into year end. And I I don't think they're pushing that as hard anymore so that kind of takes some of the oomph out, out of my more hawkish hawkish view and I'm looking at a world with inflation running two and a half percent on core PCE for the next three to four months and and growth not too strong but and and then certainly not too weak could you see a Fed kind of wanting to say we don't need our foot? You know, 100 on the break here and slowly pulling it off, reminding they're going to be restrictive for quite some time. Could that process begin in late April? Yeah, I I guess I could see that.
0: You see more strident
1: that no, you you don't. Maybe I don't want to put words in your mouth.
0: Well, the I thought the argument we're having is whether they do it in the first quarter. I think time is a big factor. I think there are two there are two things that, from my perspective. Push the process to being slow, unless you want to build in a growth scare. I think we. Right. I think we no, can I both agree. If yeah. we, if payroll growth comes in the next two months at zero, the Fed's going to ease. We don't even need to talk much which more is, about. Which is actually Fed. what
1: our forecast is, but that's, uh,
0: not quite. But it it gets in that direction. But not
1: uh, not, our, not ours. Yeah.
0: They. Um. I think there's two things that do slow the process down. One is, as much as you might want to you know, say as Powell has that we had six months of core PC at two and a half, that, you know, that's progress. There's still a lot here to get to what I think is the bar the Fed has to have to ease. The Fed doesn't need inflation at two percent, but I think it needs to be convinced that you're going to stay below three and you're moving lower on a on a on a consistent fashion. And you know, I think the news on inflation is good, but it's there's a lot of volatile pieces of this. There are a lot of things we um, you know, don't quite right, understand what their dynamic is.
1: What we were arguing about is I was trying to give you a scenario. Let's take out the downside. Like we break into recession. Then all bets are off. They're easing. And, and, and that could be zero payrolls because you're on your way to recession. That's off the table. Conditional on just kind of steady growth <laughs> and not overheating. Let's let's take that off the table as well. Steady growth. I thought what I was posing to you and you were pushing back against was a world in which core pc is sitting at about 24 now and i'm going to say we're going to stay at 24 through the 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 february uh march and into the march release. um i felt like oh yeah they i would think they could be actually they could but i
0: i want to again emphasize and i'm just trying to make two points here. one is that i think it's going to take time before they see the actual inflation news align with the labor market news, with the uh, the measures of uh, slack that they want to see evolve here uh, and get a broader picture, especially in a world in which I think there's a well,
1: understanding of, uh,
0: can I finish my point yeah. first before yeah. you jump yeah. in? That where where there's noisiness and inflation on a three and a six month horizon, the early parts of a year do tend to to create a bunchiness in these things. And I think they're going to want to see, you know, the first two or three months of the year. So is is April possible? Sure. Is April likely if you get that? I wouldn't say that by itself gives you uh, the confidence that they're gonna deliver. The second point I wanna make here is that um, there's a bit of a reflexivity story here, which is that even if you're getting inflation in the mid twos, let's just say broadly speaking, um, the Fed's not done. The Fed would be, I think, open to calibrating because they think it would say five and a half um, is maybe too restrictive if we've made you know 75% of the path to getting to where we need to go so we can calibrate. But if in a world in which they're um, seeing better inflation news and the markets are rallying as they are now, uh, that uh, ease in financial conditions, that risk appetite increase that takes place is gonna slow them down. Just like the tightening in financial conditions uh definitely tempered any thoughts of of any additional hikes as we went through last quarter.
1: I mean you said a lot there so I don't know where to where to begin here. But I, I just on the first point on wanting to see, I mean I was posing to you kind of the two four. It sounds like you're actually worried about you're worried about core inflation moving back up above three here.
0: I'm not worried about it. I'm forecasting it
1: right so yo oh, sorry thank you exactly not just worried yes you you are forecasting it to move back i market. think in
0: the first first half of next year core inflation in the u.s is going to sit with a three in front of it i'm core not PCE. pushing core cpi so cpi Let's talk
1: pc PCE now because actually this is the other thing that has kind of changed in not changed in my mind but we and as global economists we focus on cpis because that's what everyone has but the u.s has this pce thing that Generally moves very closely with the CPI, with a little wedge. But part of the problem is that there's a huge wedge right now. And, and so if I give CPI- me a,
0: if you give me a, 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 force me to put a point estimate on, I'll put three two or three three on my core CPI, and I'll put something like three on my core PCE. Yeah, that's too high so to get then the fetes. So we're in the
1: same boat. I totally agree. Right. I, and I, I think-
0: and I, I think the I think there are three moving three, broadly speaking. There's three important macro moving parts to this which are separate from getting into dynamics around used car prices and accommodations away from home and a couple of other factors, financial services and the PC that are swinging around here in a very volatile way. I think one question you have to ask yourself is, will the intensity of core goods price deflation persist? I I think there's a decent chance it could, but I'd be betting on it fading over the next three to six months, especially if we get okay news in, in global industry. The second um, uh, point, I think, is how much do we decelerate on shelter prices? That certainly is going to narrow the wedge between the CPI and the PCE, yeah. but more from the CPI point of view. And I think that's going to come down, you know, the run rate on that will come down a percent and a half or so. Um, and then I think the other issue is other oh, services. And in oh, the PC space, yeah. I think the one that matters the most is medical care services. And I'm definitely biased towards that accelerating. It actually had a high high side reading in October for what it's worth. Um, but I'd be betting that that in six or 12 months time is running uh, a percentage point higher uh, than what its run rate has been over the last last year. And that's a big deal if that happens. Uh, and it would narrow the spread between the CPI and the PCE from the point of view of the PCE accelerating. Mm-hmm. Now, having said all of that, I, I, I talk with that, with certain conviction in my voice. I don't have a heck of a lot of conviction. I'm not Uh, No, I know. you. I don't don't think any of us are paid here (laughs) to be because I know you would be crazy to have any. (laughs) Exactly. So uh, that's my baseline. I haven't. But I haven't been my
1: point. Right. That's my point is that I've seen uh, some downside surprises over the last number of months here. And I'm just wondering, hmm, this this kind of view that inflation is going to get hot here into year end and and get stuck around three. There's no doubt if you're telling me we're stuck around three, I'm definitely well, it's not around
0: year, year end, Joe. We already got October readings, well, you okay. know, where it's, it's, I'm talking about the next three to six months. It's yeah. yeah. No, no, into no, no. The, fair, fair
1: enough. You're right. You're right. So into the early part of next year, if we're getting stuck around three, then I, I kind of am pretty firmly in the hawkish camp. Uh, I've what the, What's changing uh, my mind is I, I just don't have as much conviction about the inflation story anymore.
0: Well, um, we should never have had, I mean, if we're, if our debating point was, whether core inflation is going to settle two and a half or three and a half, I don't think you could actually have enormous conviction on it. My conviction was that something had changed. So my bias has been that things aren't right. going to settle. Um, as you know, we've had better inflation news. We've also had better supply side news. Um, yeah. There are reasons to think that we're being challenged in a in a genuine way. And I'm, I'm accepting that. Uh, but I haven't been shaken enough in terms of the news. I think there's enough noisy stuff that we're seeing that's more biased to the downside now but i think equally important i don't think the fed is going to be convinced here so i think the fed is going to obviously be comforted by what it's seeing but it's going to be cautious in terms of its willingness to to respond to it so that's where you get into how quickly will they be able to ease if payroll growth is weak uh, if there's a a financial stress point yeah. you know yeah those two things combine they ease uh, without that i'm still on the mindset that they take you know a good part of the first half of next year if we are settling below three they'll ease before the middle of the year uh but it's not going to be in march probably be, i'd still be more inclined in that scenario to see them mid-year as a as an easing and there's a whole bunch of different moving parts here that they're they're going to be considering let's, but, let's
1: switch gears i mean we focus largely on the us and that's the hot topic what a surprise yeah right uh, I mean, the ECB is is an interesting one, right? Uh, yeah. I guess you could say we've worried about the growth side. We've been forecasting inflation to get kind of soft into year end. Um, and what we've seen is the inflation definitely was soft and we had a downside surprise this week. On the growth side, I felt like the PMIs, which are, are actually important in Europe, actually it recovered a little bit more. Still weak, so I don't want to get carried away, but... I guess the balance of things in my mind still pushes towards potentially uh, an an earlier move by the ECB than than a Fed move. That- well, I
0: I would agree with you, although I think there's a couple of offsetting influences here. I think the the to me the the most powerful part of this story is that the Euro area's inflation dynamic is moving relatively quickly. I think in terms of momentum shifts here, it's even sharper than the US and I think you know despite the fact that the unemployment rate is low in the euro area and in fact relative to pre-pandemic levels it's moved down um considerably relative to where the US is which is actually slightly above it but I think there's a lot more slack in the euro area this this sort of stagnation of consumption for three plus years is just to me a signal that there's probably less underlying pricing power uh in the system and therefore once we kind of have gone through this energy price shock and we're unwinding it, my gut feeling is your inflation is going to settle lower than the US inflation rate. We, we yeah. still don't see that, but I, I, that's my feeling. And then, as you're saying, there's more, there's more downside risk to growth here, I think. Not, not, not trying to argue about the fourth quarter because you know, the US, after having grown five in Q3, maybe we, maybe we grow zero, maybe we grow one. Here in the in Q4. So that you know, we could have a weak quarter. But I think if I have to argue for the next three or four quarters, I'd still have a a downward bias on Euro area performance relative to the US. So I think you you can have a greater opportunity to have growth concerns interact with disinflation in the Euro area. Now, the thing that goes against it is the ECB is a is a slow moving, you know, kind of institution that doesn't tend to they've they've only got a price
1: mandate they don't focus on growth as much uh and they tend to move like only when they're like kind of forced to move when it's like blatantly obvious uh yeah their track
0: record is is slow on the on the movements here so i mean obviously if things would would break hard you know if you if we said okay us was going to have zero payroll growth in the next two or three months which is not quite a recession Fed's (laughs) Fed's gonna ease, yeah. <laughs> you know. I don't yeah, need to know I, whether the core totally PCE is two and a half or three and a half. They're gonna ease. If you tell me your area is gonna have zero uh, employment growth in the next year, then I have to actually still think about where inflation yeah. is and think about the reaction function. So it's a, it's a different Individual. animal in, ter- in yeah. terms of at least in terms of getting it right in terms of the, yeah. the timing of it. So, um, I mean, I am biased towards a greater probability of the ECB. Uh, eases. I, I would also say it's an easier call to get the Bank of England to ease, even though inflation is higher. If you would throw the UK labor market into reverse, but right now the data is not actually pushing uh, hard in that direction. There's definitely risk there, but um, I actually am, I am actually more more surprised by um, UK performance to the upside than I am to the Euro area performance here. So um, I'm kind of taking out a little bit of that kind of pushing. Hey, Bank of England could. Could easier quickly because of what i'm seeing in the data flow um yeah
1: i mean outside me... all of that it's, it's fair to say that the combination of some of these softer inflation reports and importantly um probably foremost importantly the easing in financial conditions and the and the dollar has taken pressure off em central banks and these guys which have already been itching to start easing we've been going back and forth as financial markets have tightened and the dollar has strengthened and and come off. Um, And now that we're in this downswing um, on the pressure. uh, Yeah. I mean, we're, we're kind of seeing these, these banks start to, to talk about uh, cuts more. I mean, Latin America certainly is, is going ahead. Um, But you know, you got bank of Korea, it sounds like we're, we're talking about putting a, you know, start to the easing cycle there. Uh, Check Hungary. Uh, you know, starting to um, start. Check will start their easing cycle. Hungary will continue their easing cycle. Um, so, so I mean, there's I, an I,
0: important I, point here, which is that when you kind of take out the risk of a U.S. or Western European recession, or you take out the risk of a Chinese uh, event of some sort, most of the big EM countries actually look in pretty darn good shape. And we kind of sometimes. Yeah. ignore that in the in the conversations. And part of what you're saying is they're fundamentally in solid space and they're also positioned to actually ease in a way that it's not as um likely that you're going to get from the DM central banks anytime soon. So yeah. it's a it's an interesting story. EM could be a real outperformer here if we actually are in an observational equivalent zone where you know things aren't breaking in the US, but they may not they may not be getting you that full you know, slam dunk, uh, soft landing story either. But, you know, mm-hmm. you get, you get restraint from the fed, the U S economy's sluggish, your may does do a little better, but it doesn't do that well. And then we wake up and we find that Latin America is doing okay. Um, Asia's got tech that carries it for another while China's throwing fiscal stimulus against the wall. Um, you know, and even, um, some of the European countries actually do, do okay. I mean, it's, if you, if you don't have the, um, the boil the frog kind of kicking in in financial markets in a big way. EM's going to do pretty well here. I yeah. think.
1: Yeah. Well, we know uh, one thing that they're going to be looking at next week's payrolls. <laughs> I but don't
0: even looking, know what we're forecasting. Do you? We're looking
1: for 150,000 on payrolls, uh, which frankly, I think when you account for the fact that that's probably got a 40,000 UAW bounce back, it's a weak number. It's just yeah. slowing. Um, and I think that uh, We're going to have to be careful how we kind of interpret these because U.S. forecast has a pretty sharp moderation in payrolls as we head into the first quarter. Um, But
0: Nonetheless, we'll interpret it on Friday at 8.30. Yeah,
1: exactly. We'll be exact. I was just going to say, we'll be able to look at that then. We have the unemployment rate steady at 3.9 and um, solid earnings growth of uh, 3.10. All
0: right. We'll see how it plays out. Something to look forward to, Joe uh i are will gonna, not are be you there, gonna be Bruce. here next week you're in well, europe I don't know. right maybe
1: we'll do the call oh yeah no 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 actually i will be i'm on i'm in europe uh for the outlook conferences but i think i'm back uh by uh friday afternoon
0: okay look forward to it
1: all right anyway
0: so we'll end it there thanks everybody hope we have some fun next week and we continue on the weekender take care